When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a warm Wisconsin summer evening in June 1996. You and your family are sitting behind the plate to see your beloved single-A club, the Timbler Rattlers, as they face off against their MLB affiliate, the Seattle Mariners. It's an exhibition game nobody expected, but everybody was excited for. As you eagerly wait for the umpire to yell, Play ball! You notice storm clouds gathering in the distance. In the blink of an eye, the rain begins, and it doesn't let up. Before long, the umpires decide to cancel the game. Disappointed, you begin to grab your belongings and head to the exit. But wait! The announcer declares a special three-on-three home run derby between the two squads. Out of the dugout comes Alex Rodriguez and Ken Griffey Jr., ready to compete in the slugging match. For your hometown Rattlers, the starting outfielder, the hitting coach, and an upstart rookie first baseman from the Dominican Republic, as the dust settles on the home run derby, one player dominates the event, and it's not A-Rod or Griffey. That award went to somebody else. Seattle's home run battle, today on Rounders, A History of Baseball in America. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show and Happy New Year. My name is Jeff Lambert, your host. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in today, and I hope you all had a great holiday. I know I did. I ended up going back to Massachusetts for a week and a half, and I was able to spend time with some family. And, you know, I stepped off that plane, and I was really excited for that crisp, cold air again. And uh, that lasted about three days. I was ready to go back to Florida after that and back to the warm weather. But it was good to go home and see family. And, you know, while I was there, I'm not proud of it, but I procrastinated the entire time. I didn't work on a new episode, and I had some that were holiday-based that I really wanted to put out, and it just it didn't come together. Um, but I did use the time to read some books, and I did some deep diving into some future potential topics. So, you know, the bad news is, is it's been almost a month of no episodes, but the good news is I do have some great upcoming episodes with some content that I came across. So, win-win. Uh. But I am really super excited about two pieces of news that I want to share. Uh, first of all, that last episode that I put out, episode 11, the, the Vec effect, that hit 100 plays. And that makes it my most listened to episode yet. So everybody out there that listened to the last episode, thank you so much for your support. It means a lot to me to know that people are out there listening to these episodes and they're enjoying them. And please, you know, let's keep the good times rolling. Tell a friend. Subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice and keep interacting with me on social media. Uh, This is why I'm doing this and I love it. So 
it may not seem like a milestone to, to some people, but it's a big one for me. And it, it really makes me feel good about what's happening here. So thank you. And the second piece of news is that thanks to the new podcasting platform that I just switched over to, which is called Anchor, I have two new show sponsors. So now I've officially made my first dollar and 10 cents doing this podcast. And, you know, honestly, if I can make a little side money doing this, then that means a lot. But no matter what, I'm going to do this podcast because I love baseball and I love great stories. And having the opportunity to combine both of those things and to share them with others, it's a perfect combo. So the money comes in second, but it's certainly not a bad thing. And I'm happy to say that things are happening and we've only been doing this for six months. So, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about the progress and here's to another year in 2019 of more episodes and more uh, positive momentum and hopefully some more interesting stories for you to enjoy. So awesome. Awesome. Everything's great. So again, thank you for the listens. Thank you for the social media follows. Thank you for the emails, the support, everything you do. I appreciate it. I hope each of you have an amazing 2019, but, uh, Enough said. Let's get to the episode. So our story begins in the year 1996. And the Seattle Mariners during this time were a stacked squad. And they were just oozing with potential. They had made it to the ALCS the year prior in 1995. And they were considered a World Series contender going into the 1996 season. And their lineup was just packed with talent. So this starting nine included guys like Jay Buhner and Edgar Martinez, catcher Dan Wilson, Paul Sorrento. They had a rising star in Alex Rodriguez, and they had superstar Ken Griffey Jr. And remind, this is, this is before all the major injuries. This is when they had prime Griffey. So in addition to that, they have their pitching rotation, which includes these young hurlers named Sterling Hitchcock and Matt Wagner, both who won uh, 10 plus games that year and had very high strikeout ratios. They had veteran Jamie Moyer coming out of the rotation and they had hall of famer, Randy Johnson heading up the rotation. So this was a club that no team wanted to mess with. And so you take this squad and something peculiar happened midway through the season. It was the end of July. And the Mariners were set to play a doubleheader over in Milwaukee on July 30th. They had just wrapped up a homestand in Seattle on July 28th, which means that they had this rare day off in between the two series. So Seattle's ownership group, they had just opened, well, not just, but they had recently in the past few years opened a single A ball club over in Appleton, Wisconsin. And they wanted to find a way to reward that city for their commitment to this team They had just recently finished building a multi-million dollar stadium and the fans in Appleton were really excited about their minor league club. And the name of that single A club was the Timber Rattlers. So to find a way to boost support and just continue to say thank you to the city for their, for their embracement of this minor league ball club, the big league Mariners team flew out to Appleton to play a special exhibition game against their minor league affiliate. Now, if that sounds strange to you, that's because it's not really a practice that's done nowadays, but there's a reason why it happened during this 1996 season. See, there were player strikes that happened in 1985 and then happened again in 1990. And in 1994, just two years prior, 
There was a player lockout that resulted in a shortened regular season, and there was no playoffs. And for the first time since 1904, there was no World Series that year. So the 1995 season was even shortened as well. They didn't play a full 162 games. So baseball was suffering a public relations fallout with their fans during this time. So to help with the public relations and trying to boost things again, there were some major league ball clubs that revived an age-old practice of barnstorming trips. And they would go between other MLB clubs and their minor league affiliates. And this was just one way to try and spread some goodwill with the fans. So there were players that were interviewed after what's about to come. And I want to start off with Dan Wilson, who was the catcher for the Mariners during this time. And this is what he had to say about when he remembered when the team learned about them having to give up their day off to go play some minor league club. He said, uh, quote, when you're playing a big league schedule, and it's even a little different in Seattle because you're traveling so much, your off days are pretty cherished. It's somewhat of a sacrifice for big league guys to go and do something like that. On the other hand, to be able to take part in the minor league program of your organization, to be a part of their development, to give young guys a chance to see what they're shooting for, also makes you feel good in a way. For me, personally, it was kind of a neat deal. End quote. Alex Rodriguez, who I had mentioned previously was a part of this 1996 Mariners squad, also stated in an interview after the game that, quote, it was a lot of fun, especially for me. Two years before, that's where I started my career, in Appleton. The fans were great. They just put the new stadium in. That's why we came in. I think it was the Mariners' way of showing their appreciation. End quote. So, on July 29th, it was announced that this special exhibition game was going to happen between the Rattlers and the Mariners. The, the game sold out almost immediately. All 6,000 seats went out in minutes, and everybody packed into this new Fox City Stadium to watch the Mariners face off against their beloved minor league team. As the minutes inched closer to the start time, problems started to come up. See, it had been raining all day in Appleton, and the field just wasn't sufficiently dry, especially in the outfield. In addition, more rain came, and it caused a delay. As the minutes stacked up, finally the clouds broke and it seemed like the two teams could play. So management got together and they got creative and they decided to put together a seven-inning game instead of the traditional nine. So the tarp was, it started to get pulled off of the infield and the team started to get ready to play. And right when that started to happen, the rain started again. So without any options and facing a full refund for all the fans, the Rattlers management begged the Mariners to find a way to salvage the event. So it was decided that a fan pleaser of some sort needed to happen. And that ended up taking the form of an impromptu home run derby. It became immediately clear that the Mariners squad was not happy with this idea. A guy named Mike Goff, who was the Rattlers manager at the time, stated in an interview that, quote, honestly, I don't think they were happy about having to be there, period. There were a lot of great guys over there, don't get me wrong. There was Jay Buhner, Griffey, they're great guys. But half of them wanted to get the hell out of there. They didn't want to do it in the first place. Like most major league teams don't like going into affiliate cities and doing that. End quote. Gary Horsher, 
who was a TV reporter from the ABC affiliate who covered the game, recounted that, quote, I'd never been that close to Lou Pinella before, but man, he went on a little bit of a tirade. Every other word was, I am not effing putting my effing players on that effing field. I'm in a pennant race. He turned the F-bombs on. That was kind of stunning to me. End quote. So despite the initial negative reaction, Mariners catcher Dan Wilson, who we heard a quote from before, remembered that the team finally came together and they went through with this home run idea. He said, quote, I don't remember how the whole selection process went. I think we all felt like we'd come this far and it would be a shame not to do something. So there was a willingness on some guy's part to do this home run derby. To be honest, I don't know how I got into this thing. I was like, well, I've never done a home run derby, so I thought it might be kind of fun. And it turned out to be pretty fun. It was a neat deal, end quote. So it was settled. A three-run home run derby with three players from each team was going to happen. Appleton fans cheered and they remained in their seats eagerly awaiting this slugfest. Now what happened during this slugfest is something to remember, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's take a quick minute for the seventh inning stretch. If you're enjoying the podcast, please, please take a minute and follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Rounders Podcast. That's one word, Rounders Podcast. By subscribing, you're going to get photos, quotes, and short event summaries, all from baseball's rich past, in your feed on a regular basis. I also want to hear from you about topics that you'd like to see covered, so keep in touch and follow me. You can also support me through my new podcasting platform, a service called Anchor. They have a secure payment option through Stripe, which is a trusted name in online payments. So you can support me safely and easily simply by going to anchor.fm forward slash rounders. If you have one or two dollars a month, I'd appreciate your support. It goes a long way towards helping me upgrade equipment and pay some bills so I can focus on putting together more episodes for you. If you have the ability to send me five or more dollars a month, hey, I'll give you some exclusive perks. Things like ad-free episodes, extra episodes, and some regular live Q&A sessions with me. Again, just go to anchor.fm forward slash rounders. There's a link available in the show notes. That's all for now. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. So just to recap where we're at this far, it's the 1996 season. You have the World Series contending Seattle Mariners taking a rare off day to go visit their single-A affiliate in Appleton, Wisconsin. Their name is the Timber Rattlers. That exhibition game was supposed to happen. Both teams showed up to a packed audience, but there was a, a rainstorm that came through and caused the game to be delayed and then canceled. And in a last-minute effort to try and find a way to please the fans in attendance, there was a home run derby that was held. And that's where our story picks up. So the reins led up, and each squad decided to get together to decide their three participants. Now for the Mariners, 
Catcher Dan Wilson, who we've already heard from, decided to be a good sport and participate. The second player was Alex Rodriguez, who began his career with the Rattlers, and he was a good sport and decided to volunteer. And after some encouragement, Ken Griffey Jr. finally agreed to be the third rep from the Mariners. Now, if you're the Rattlers, there's really no way you can counter this, but they did the best they could. They chose one of their best hitters on the team at that time, outfielder Luis Tinoco, and they also selected their hitting coach, Joaquin Contreras. And for their third pick, they decided to select their rookie first baseman. He was in the middle of a breakout year, and he would end up finishing the season batting 322 with 18 home runs and 93 RBIs. His name? David Arias. Never heard of him? Well, Mike Goff, who was the Rattlers' manager at the time, had this to say about this player. Quote, Davey was a fun guy. He kind of came out of nowhere. This kid was in rookie ball the year before, and they weren't going to let me take him to the Midwest League. The only reason he got on my club was because I didn't have a first baseman. I also didn't have a left-handed hitting first baseman. I had to fight for him just to make the team that year. And he ends up within a couple percentage points of winning the Triple Crown. You could see it. What this kid had was special. From the first day I saw him, watching how he handled situations, to his infectious personality where people just loved to be around him. The only thing I tried to do was hold the guy accountable and not let him screw up the opportunity that was going to be presented to him because he was so talented. I was hard on him. I was harder on him than anybody else on that ball club, end quote. See, David Arias, he entered the league using his mother's maiden name, but he eventually updated it to become a player named David Ortiz. That's right. Big Poppy. World Series hero, perennial all-star, one of the greatest sluggers in modern baseball history, that David Ortiz. At the time, though, he's just a 20-year-old prospect. So here's your three-on-three. Let's go to the match. In the first round, David Ortiz, I mean, excuse me, David Arias, comes out swinging, literally. He hits seven bombs in impressive fashion. Gary Horcher, that TV reporter that we heard from previously, was standing near A-Rod and Griffey while Arius was hitting these, these bombs. And this is what he had to say. He said he overheard, quote, Ken Griffey Jr. was standing by A-Rod. And it was a different noise. Some guys, it just sounds like a thunderclap. And other guys, it doesn't really generate the same sound. This hit was like a hammer. It clattered against something really percussive. I remember everybody kind of winced. We looked over for Griffey's reaction, and I remember Griffey kind of looking up and smiling. But A-Rod was going, oh my god. I remember after one of Ortiz's shots, A-Rod was like, look at that guy. I ain't got a chance. End quote. So in that first round, Arias hit seven home runs. So Griffey and Rodriguez respond by hitting eight home runs. Except that was eight home runs combined. It was Dan Wilson, the third Mariners participant, that ended up coming in second behind Ortiz to advance to the finals. Now, Dan Wilson actually ended up besting Big Poppy, or Little Poppy at the time, I don't know what we would call him, but no matter the outcome, 
that 20-year-old first baseman just outslugged two future Hall of Famers. Mike Guff, the Rattlers manager, again went on record saying, quote, Oh no. Where's my quote? <laughs> uh, hello, quote, where are you? Quote. Hmm, there we go. Okay, let's start again. Mike Goff, the Rattlers manager, remembered watching the event unfold too. He said, quote, I can't remember how many he hit. I know he hit a bunch. He wasn't just hitting them the right field. He was hitting them all over the ballpark. And it was a good-sized yard. It wasn't a small yard. To hear that, Alex said, we should take him back to the kingdom. I think that's BS, to be honest. I think some of the Mariners were embarrassed by what Davey did to them. And in that competition, I loved every single minute of it. End quote. David Ortiz, David Arias, who is now David Ortiz, he remembers that night fondly too. He stated that, quote, I was hitting balls onto the highway, bro, like it was crazy. I could see they were impressed with what I was doing. And they were the guys in the big leagues. I was just playing A-ball. It was fun. I'll never forget that. End quote. The Timber Rattlers went on to lose to West Michigan in the Midwest League Finals. But their season was a success, largely in part because of the play of David Arias. But in that same year, on August 29th, the Mariners acquired third baseman Dave Hollins from the Minnesota Twins for a player to be named later. That player turned out to be Arias, soon to be known as David Ortiz. Now, Ortiz jumped three levels in the Twins' farm system in 1997, and he made his big leg debut in that September. He hit 20 homers for the Twins in 2002, but it wasn't until he signed with the Red Sox that he emerged as one of the most feared sluggers in the league, and he eventually joined Griffey and A-Rod in the 500 home run club. But all three players remember that night, Ortiz most fondly of all. It was the night baseball fans in Appleton caught a glimpse of the future. They saw the legend that became Big Poppy. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And remember, there are only two seasons, winter and baseball. Thank you.